Welcome to Study Isaiah, the podcast where we examine the language, context, and meaning of the book of Isaiah with Dr. Paul Wegner. I'm Tyler Sanders. Across from me is Paul Wegner, who's going to give us the Hebrew word of the day. Oh, and I've got a good one for you today because we really don't know what it means. <laughs> oh, that's a perfect Hebrew word yeah, of the day. Yeah, right. Okay, so it's Gileon. Gileon. And it's either a tablet or a piece of papyrus or something. So it's in chapter eight, one, it says, and the Lord said to me, take for yourself a large tablet. That's how my translation does and write it in ordinary letters, swift as a booty, speedy as the prey. Mm -hmm. So the question is, what did they write on? It's okay. gotta be big enough that they can see it, right? Cause I mean- This is a public kind of message yeah. or something like that. But it also has to be, at least it has to be big enough so that, that when they took it out, I don't know that it has to be like broadcast or anything. So I think it could be a large piece of papyrus because okay. that's what they would write on at back then. I didn't give you a picture on how they would seal those, but what because later on it says to seal it, mm. and and usually they roll those and then put um, a string around it and then put clay on it, and that would seal it so they couldn't open it unless yeah. they broke that string. Right. But the other possibility is a possibly a large ta clay tablet, mm. and the way they would do that, they'd write on the inside the the message that was going to happen. Then they'd put and they'd let it dry. Uh -huh. Then they'd take another piece of clay, wrap it around it so it was it was on the outside, yeah. then write the same thing on the outside usually, and then let it dry. Right. So they had two copies, one that couldn't be touched and one that could possibly yeah. be man manipulated. I mean, yeah. they could change it and stuff like that. Yeah. So they usually were land uh, deeds or something like that mm. so that if people ever got challenged whether they own land or not, they could actually take this little tablet out and say, well, look you here. Like crumble the outside yeah. to prove that yeah. there yeah. was an original exactly. or something. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, you'd break it open and, and get to the inside. Yeah. And that could so. potentially be how this... Yeah, this work, do you think? Or, I think or, so, because later on it says to seal, we'll look at it in chapter, or verse 16, it says to seal it. Yeah. So somehow they've got to be able to, to keep it uh, sealed so that nobody can tamper with it until the things happen. And then they can say, well, look, God told us this was going to oh, happen. So I that see. was the whole purpose okay. for this witness. It was, uh, you know, it's a document that they can check it and see if God really said this. Yeah. So it is kind of neat. We've got a, actually an interesting chapter today. Yeah, I think we do. Yeah. I think we do. And we're going to go through chapter eight and about yeah. seven verses into chapter nine. Yeah. Why don't we look at it? Um, yeah. This is our big structure. Remember, that's where we are. Um, mm -hmm. So we have been through the Song of the Vineyard, the, the woe, Six Woe Oracles, the Uplifted Hand Oracle. Uh -huh. So what we're doing now is we're taking that middle part, mm -hmm. the Isaiahic Memoir, and I think two times ago, no, uh, last time we did the six and yeah. seven, I think. Yeah. And then this time we're going to try to do eight and then into nine a little. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of exciting. Yeah, this kind of wraps up our entire Yeah, our palestro for that. So we've covered then, uh, by that time, we'll have covered all all the way up to chapter 12. Yeah, that's, so that's, that's good. amazing. Yeah. Okay, now remember our history. We need a little more of that. Remember, Isaiah's call was in chapter six, and that's the year that King Uzziah dies. Yes. So that was our 740, 739, somewhere yep. in there. Then we've got the Syro-Ephraimite War in chapter seven and eight, uh -huh. and they start there, but both the signs go beyond that. Because remember, the last one said, there's going to be such a bad time as never has happened yeah. since the time of Ephraim oh, separated yeah. from Judah. Yeah. Okay. And then it says, the king of Assyria. Well, that happened in 701, because 701 yeah, right. is when he came into Judah. Yeah. So we've got that again in this one. Remember I told you last time that seven and eight mirror each other. It just looks like chapter eight is closer to the Syro-Ephraimite war than chapter seven. So, so that's kind of the background to get us started. All right, let's go ahead and look at our passage now, should we? Yeah. Then the Lord said to me, take for yourself a large tablet and write on it in ordinary letters. Let me just stop there. That Ordinary letters, yeah. that's kind of interesting because you hardly ever see, yeah. see that anywhere. Yeah. It, it actually says the writing of a man. Hmm. Yeah, so the Hebrew is kind of interesting. You, you don't usually see that phrase, but it's there. It is fascinating. <laughs> okay, so he's supposed to write on it, swift as a booty, speed as the prey. Now, I probably should explain what that means. Swift, it, it means that the destruction is coming quickly and so that the booty and plunder will be taken away really quickly. Mm. And then speed is the prey, meaning when Assyria comes through, he's going to conquer uh, Israel and and it was going to conquer both uh, Syria and Israel and take them off. So they're going to yeah. be the prey. 
Right. Okay. And they'll be moving quickly as well. Yeah. It's imminent. Yes. That's yeah. what it's really getting at. This is this is going to happen really soon. Yeah. All right. So that's the that's that first chapter and it, or first verse, and that pretty much gives us an understanding of what's going to happen. He's he's actually giving them another sign, just like mm. before. Okay. Only this one. Let's keep going, and it'll show us. And I will take for myself faithful witnesses for a testimony. So he's going to have witnesses, and that word testimony. I think is going to be whatever they write on, okay? That tablet. Yeah, or, or whatever. Yeah, uh, whatever the uh, uh -huh. own. All right. Faithful witnesses for a testimony. Uriah the priest and Zechariah the son of Jerobrekiah. So I approached the prophetess. Oh, that's kind of interesting. His wife is going to be the prophetess because she's going to have as much to do with the message as Isaiah is. Mm. So that's that's the only time you ever hear that about her, but okay. that's her job. Yeah. yeah. And she conceived and gave birth to a son. Then the Lord said to him, name him Mahershalal Hashbaz. For before the boy knows how to cry out, my father or my mother, the wealth of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be carried away before the king of Assyria. Okay. Now let's put that into context. Yeah. A child can say mommy or daddy, really young, yeah. uh, probably about year one, they can say that. Right. Now, do you remember before the the time frame was uh, before the child knows enough to refuse evil and choose yes. good? So right. that's whatever that is. And we talked about yeah. different possibilities. Different possible, yeah. it's, it's still got to be further away than, a, than one year, hmm. right? And in, fa in fact, I've often thought, you know, if the child is born almost immediately, do you remember the, the Syrie from my war was like, two years, 733 to 734. So yeah. it could be almost right Im immediately when it's happening, the, the Syro-Ephraimite war was starting. Right. So it's, it's so it could be really, really close. Yeah. Okay? Okay. All right. So he what he's saying is take for this, and basically he's going to, it's verse 16, says to seal it up so that they're going to know that God told them that this happened. And I think that's the key to this whole sign because Israel often is rebellious and they'll say, oh, our God didn't tell us this and stuff like that. But this one's going to be real clear. He's got witnesses and he's got a testimony, yeah. whatever that thing is that's sealed to, to tell us this. And, and what do we think is actually written on this to be sealed? Is it like from five to it's 15, like that kind of text? Well, I, you know, I don't know if it needs to be all that. It could have mm. just been that name oh. because later oh, on he yeah. describes what that name means. Yeah. So I think it's possible. And the witnesses would have heard that that's what the name meant. Yeah. Uh, and remember the second part, uh, he actually explains what the name means. And the Lord said to me, name your Mahershala Hashat Baz, for before the boy knows how to cry out my father or my mother, the wealth of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be carried away before the king of Assyria. Mm -hmm. Maharshalal means bringing quickly the plunder and then hashbaz, quickly bring the on the prey. So I tried to translate a little different so you'd get what it's trying to get at. Yeah. And then before the child can say, my mommy and my daddy, Damascus and Samaria will be destroyed. Mm -hmm. So it's very possible that that's what was written on there. Yeah. And then, so they'll know exactly what the name means. Right. Because if you got a name and they had no idea what it meant, that wouldn't do them any good. Right. So I'm pretty sure they must have known. So that my guess is they put all that and the explanation of the name in there. Okay. Yeah. Now, I got to tell you, one day, one day I was, I was in Israel and I was sitting in a restaurant and I heard a little boy say, Avi, Ami. And he was calling for his mom and dad. Yeah. And I'm going, oh, it, there, they yeah. really still do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's kind of cute. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the words he would have used. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, okay. Now starting at verse five. So we've got all the way to verse four, and that ex pretty much explains the name, what it means, and all that. Yeah. Okay. And realize it's talking about the Syrie for my war. Mm -hmm. So it means Damascus and Samaria are going to be destroyed. Yeah. All right. Now, the next part is the important thing. Okay. Notice what it says. Again, the Lord spoke to me saying, inasmuch as this people, my translation says these people, yeah. I think it's this people is Israel, not Israel and Syria. In okay. actual fact, Syria doesn't even have a connection to God, right? Right, right? So I think it's really saying this people, and it's in the Hebrew, it's actually this people. Yeah. And I think it's talking about Israel, Yeah. okay? And because the rest of this explains that. Inasmuch as this people have rejected the gently flowing waters of Shiloah, and rejoiced in resin and the son of Remaliah. So mm -hmm. this people would be Israel. They chose this king of Syria and the son of Remaliah, who's right. the king of Israel. Right. Okay. 
And notice that's that jab again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord is about to bring on them the strong and abundant waters of the Euphrates. So they've rejected the gently flowing waters of Shiloh, and I'll explain that in a minute. But they've instead, he's going to bring on the abundant waters of the Euphrates, even the king of Assyria and all his glory. So that's the difference. So Israel rejected Judah. They've accepted Rezin yep. and the son of Remaliah. Yeah. And because of that, he's going to bring Assyria on them. Yeah. Does that all make sense? Yeah. Okay, now he used terms that are, are water terms. When he says the gently flowing waters of Shiloh, Shiloh means sent hmm. or sent one or something like that. The pool of Siloam in Greek means the same thing, sent one. And so I think what's going on is it's talking about the gently flowing waters of the Gihon Springs that fill up this pool of Siloam. Now, at different points in the year, it's got more water than others, but yeah. it's never got a lot in it. Yeah. That's the Hezekiah's Tunnel. People walk through that. Oh, wow. So you can, and, and now they've made it so it's not even as deep as it used to be. So it's now even almost less water. Yeah. But, but you can tell the difference. If you go in spring, there's more water going through it that, and then if you go in the fall. Yeah. So it's really interesting. And what do you think like the maximum flow is going to oh, be? Like a creek yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah, probably a creek. Yeah. Yeah, and not even a very fast creek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then it says, so because they've rejected this, okay, meaning, and, and the Pua Siloam is in Judah. Okay. So that's, so it, it means- It's connecting that, into- Yeah, so they've yeah. rejected Judah. And so he's going to bring on them the Euphrates. And this is a picture of what the Euphrates looks like. Yeah. It's it's so much, much more water going through. It's yeah. it's not even, it's like a joke, you yeah. know? Yeah. So now they know they're in trouble. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's what the sign is meaning. Okay. So when we're seeing like this kind of creek level water yeah. supply compared to the Euphrates humongous standard. river. Yeah. Like, is that, is the idea that like you had something good and yeah. now you have like- something that's uncontrollable, flood yeah. the place or just wipe well, you I think, out. Here's of. what I think it is. You you rejected Judah, which mm -hmm. is where the pool of Siloam is. Yeah. Therefore, I'm going to bring on you something you never expected, a deluge yeah. like the Euphrates. Yeah. So I think I think it's using the water pictures to actually help know what countries they are. Okay. I think that's really all it's doing oh, is showing the images. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So let's just go over it again. Is as, inasmuch as this people have rejected the gently flowing waters of Shiloh, and that's the same one as Siloam mm -hmm. in Greek, yeah. okay, uh, sent one or something like that, and rejoiced in Rezin and the son of Remaliah. So we know Rezin is Syria, mm -hmm. and we know that the son of Remaliah is that play on the words for the king of Israel. Yep. Okay. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord is about to bring on them meaning Israel, the strong and abundant waters of the Euphrates, even mm -hmm. the king of Assyria. So it tells us that they're in trouble. Yeah. Israel's going to, you know, Israel's going to be overflowed by the Assyrians. And that happened in 722. Remember in 722, yeah. they were taken off into captivity. Yeah. So Syria that's our and uh, Ephraim. Yeah. Israel. So, yeah. So that's yeah. our that's our history fitting right into now what the biblical text is saying. Yeah. Now it goes even further. And it will rise over all its channels and over all its banks, and it will sweep on into Judah, and it will overflow and pass through. It will reach even to the neck. Now think about that. So he's saying the, the this great Euphrates yeah. River is gonna overflow Israel. And go into Judah. Into Judah. And yeah. historically, again, we know when that happened. That happened in 701. So it's actually coming over them. It floods its blank banks and now goes into Judah. And it, and it says, it will reach even to the neck. That's like a picture. Remember that picture I had of Israel up on a hill? Yeah. Well, that's like everything else is flooded around it, but little Jerusalem is sitting up on that hill and it's not covered yet. Yeah. So it's a beautiful picture of 701. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Okay. All right, it will reach even to the neck, and the spread of its wings will fill the breadth of your land, O Emmanuel. Do you remember how I talked about Emmanuel being assigned Ahaz? Yeah. And that it was back at that time for it to be a decent sign? Yeah. Well, here, it's actually saying that Emmanuel lives in the land of Judah right. at the time the Assyrians come in. Yeah. So that has to confirm that it has to be Someone, during that time yeah, period. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's twice it's given us that hint. Remember I told you chapter eight is going over the same materials, chapter seven, only now a lot closer to it. Yeah. 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 
That's a good detail. Yeah. So I think that'll help. Okay. Yeah. Now, the ne the rest of this, verses 9 through about verse 16, are some of the hardest translation of the Hebrew text because it doesn't have connecting links between it. Hmm. So look what it says. Be broken, O peoples, and be shattered. Give ear, O, o remote places of the earth. Gird yourself, yet be shattered. Gird yourself, yet be shattered. Devise a plan, but it will be thwarted. State a proposal, but it will not stand. For God is with us. Mm -hmm. So I think the key is, what does the phrase, for God is with us, mean? Because that sounds like it's a an explanation of why the proposal's not going to stand and all right. of that, right? So, so it sounds like what it sounds like to me is that the Assyrians were going to come in and trounce Israel and Judah. And God is actually saying, that's not going to happen. And, and Isaiah is even saying it. He says, devise a plan, but it will be thwarted. State a proposal, but it shall not stand, for God is with us. So it sounds like to me that Assyria is thinking, let's wipe out Israel and Judah. Mm. And God is saying, that's not going to happen because right. I'm with them. And I think it's Isaiah right. talking because he said, for God is with us. So the us must be Isaiah, including himself yeah. into Judah. Yeah. And this reflects maybe that idea we saw earlier about um, Syria is God's rod. Yes. But it's not yeah. in control. Yeah. Like it's going to be used for a very specific purpose. Yeah. And then they have their own. And remember in chapter 10, we even found out that they said they wanted to destroy right. them and God's going to stop that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They kind of get in trouble for that. Right? Yeah. 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 Very much so. Yeah. So Not does, kind of. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> so does that make sense? I was going to say this is one of the harder ones to interpret. But if you go to that for God is with us, it seems like to me, okay, now you've got to work backwards and see what it's referring to. So could you tell me a little bit more about why that's so difficult though? Were we yeah. saying like these, like verses nine and 10, yeah. most of 10, they don't have a direct connection in the text to the phrase for God is with us? No, they do. The problem is, is that it's not telling you who's gonna be broken or- Oh, I see. Who's gonna be shattered um, or remote places. Gird yourself. It's not telling us who's supposed to do that. It's just giving commands. Yeah. And and I think it's when you get to verse 10, it starts to make a little sense. And you the, work backwards from there. Yeah. To kind of give the rest of it context. Yeah. Because uh, devise a plan, but it will be thwarted. State a proposal, but it shall not stand. For God is with us. The us has to be Judah, yeah. right? And, and it's got to be Isaiah talking so he can join himself with uh, Israel or right. Judah, I think. And so the question is, okay, who's devising a plan? Who's got a proposal to, to, and what are they going to do? Well, it's got probably got to be Assyria yeah. thinking they're going to wipe them out. Yeah. Now, that's the message against the Assyrians, right? So there's a message for them, but there's also a message for Israel. Look what it says, starting at verse 11. For thus the Lord spoke to me with mighty power and instructed me not to walk in the way of this people. Now that's interesting. This is the only place that God speaks to somebody with a mighty arm or with mighty mm -hmm. power. So it sounds like God's really trying to get their attention. Yeah. So he's, he's saying, okay, don't walk in the way of this people. I don't know if you remember, but do you remember Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, they call him? Well, there's a reason what, for that because Jeremiah had some real stiff competition against him. You know, first right. they had the false prophets, but then the kings were being very harsh to Jeremiah and stuff like that. Well, it sounds like Isaiah's having the same kind of problems, mm. you know? So God wants to make sure that he doesn't give in because if his if his own prophet gives in, then who's he going to have right. to talk to these people? So this people is again referring to Israel again. I'm yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. And then now this one um, way of this people could even be Israel and Judah. You know, because by this time right. now they both need talking to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You are not to say it is a conspiracy in regard to all this people call a conspiracy. You are not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it. Um, let me just stop there. My guess is that Isaiah's words would have thought to be conspiracy. Because remember, he's telling them that Assyria is going to wipe you guys out. Right. You know, so so they're thinking, well, Isaiah is really against us. And so this is a conspiracy to try to try to destroy us. Because they think Assyria is there to help. Yeah. Take yep. on Syria. And Isaiah makes it real clear that's not, that's not only going to 
it, it, they will destroy them, but they're going to destroy right. you guys too. Right. Yeah. So, so you're not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it. It is the Lord of hosts you should fear and regard as holy. So they should be worrying more about what God's thinking yeah. than what the Assyrians are thinking. And that's really hard for Ahaz and the people of Israel yeah. at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a continual problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, never stopped. <laughs> All right. It is the Lord of hosts you should regard as holy. It, he should be your fear, and he shall be your dread. I think what he's trying to do is get this into perspective. You thought the king of Assyria was powerful. Remember about me. Right. Okay, so I think that's what he's getting at. God is more powerful than anything the Assyrians yeah. can throw at him. Right. Okay. Then he shall become a sanctuary, meaning God, the one they should fear. Then he mm. will become a sanctuary, both to the houses of Israel. So I think it's getting at Israel and Judah there. Yeah. A stone to strike and a, and a rock to stumble over. A snare and a trap for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Notice he's, calling, he's saying that he's a snare and a trap. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. It, what it's meaning is that if you guys don't trust me, I'm going to be the trap that catches you. Yeah. So I think that's what it's getting at is, is if only you would believe me and would trust me, Things I'd be your sanctuary. That was the term that he used, yeah. right? And a sanctuary is something that's a, a safe, safe heart or yeah. protection. Right. And he says, if you don't do that, I'm going to be just the opposite, a, yeah. tra a trap and a snare. So that does make some sense, right? So here we've got God stepping in and saying, don't worry about those Assyrians. I'm the one you better fear. Yeah. Okay. All right. Which I think, I mean, I know we've probably talked about this you know, a lot, I think, but that yeah. is, that's always an interesting term, I think, fear. Fear. What it is to fear God, yeah. you know, oh, but, yeah. it, but it is in this, in this place, it's yeah. driving their actions, really. It, it yeah, is. They're afraid of a lot of, yeah. a lot of different things. And so they're making bad choices, but. Yeah. And, it, and see, that, that, that word fear is kind of interesting, isn't it? It can be used as a, a, an emotion that's almost debilitating, right? I mean, right. you can be so afraid that you can't do anything. And he's saying, no, it's the fear or awe and reverence of God that's actually going right. to protect you. It's going to yeah. be the thing. So that word fear has almost two yeah. meanings to it. And it's that a healthy fear is actually relying on God and actually trusting him, where uh, unhealthy fear would be debilitating and they're going to fall apart. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting how they use that word in the same context, kind of two ways. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. fearing, when you fear God, like there is nothing else yeah. to fear. Especially you know, not the Assyrians, that's right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Many will stumble over them and then they will be fall and be broken. They will even be snared and caught. So when it says many, it's talking about probably in Israel and Judah that are not believing in God. So there's going to be a lot of them yeah. that are going to be snared and caught. Remember, we looked at chapter six and it had the the two destructions. And after the two destructions, a remnant was going to come out. Yeah. So you've got, it seems like to me, you've got this issue here of two destructions. You you know, the one is going to be yeah. the Northern kingdom being taken away. The other one's going to be Judah taken away. Yeah. So that's, I think he says, a lot of them are going to be snared and caught. Yeah. Yeah. All right, now we've got the whole explanation. That's the message, okay? Starting at verse 16, now he wants it sealed up. So bind up the testimony. I think that's whatever that they wrote it on, Yeah. okay? And seal the law, or it, actually the word law can also mean instruction. And, I, and so I think hmm. you've got the thing that's written and then what he said about it. So I think that's oh. our Torah, and you've okay. heard the word Torah a lot, yeah. but now it means something like an instruction, some, yeah, the teaching. explanation of what that sign means. Because in actual fact, that, that testimony doesn't do much good unless it has its explanation right yeah. with it. Yeah. So I think that's what it's getting at. Okay. And I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will even look eagerly for him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. So here's, this is kind of interesting. So he says, Isaiah can't believe that the final word is at destruction on the nation because he already knew mm. in chapter six that a remnant's supposed to come out at yeah. some point, right. right? So he says, so I'll wait for the Lord who's hiding his face from the house of Jacob. When God hides his face from Jacob, that means they're going to be destroyed, right? Because right. he's not looking with favor upon them. Yeah. Okay. I will even look eagerly for him, meaning 
I hope this doesn't take too yeah, long. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord have given me are for signs and wonders. Do you remember what his, his name is? Isaiah means God is salvation, right? Yeah, right. So that's a message to the nation. Remember yeah. his children's name, uh, Shir Yeshuv, a remnant yep. will return, or Mahar Shalal Hashbaz is another one of his kids. Yeah. And that means, uh, you know, Hazen is, is yeah. the booty, Speedy is the plunder, yeah. meaning they're going to be destroyed soon. So these are these are names of his kids that are actually a, a, a sign to the people yeah. to let them know what's going to happen. Yeah. Now, one's good, one's bad. Now, I, I don't know, it's even possible that Emmanuel is Isaiah's kid, hmm. but I, I doubt that. I think, I mean, it, it sounds like in um, chapter eight, remember it says, he will fill the breadth of your land, O Emmanuel. Yeah. He could just mean he's living there and that, so he's, yeah. it's his land because he's there, or it could mean he's the king and so it's his land. It's possible uh, it doesn't, it, he can't be the son, but he, uh, I don't think he fits uh, Emmanuel very well. I mean, context wise, he does, but time wise, it doesn't sound like he's in the, the right time frame to be born at this time. Who is this? Uh, Hezekiah. Oh, okay. So I don't, hey, Hezekiah was a good king, right? Yeah. So God with us could fit him really well, yeah. except time wise, he couldn't have been born at the right time to make yeah. this work. Because we know how old he was when he took the kingship and he was too old to to fit the yeah. for my war. Yeah. So I don't think it's Hezekiah, though Hezekiah probably would have been around at that time. And that does make sense. I mean, Hezekiah does fit the time of the 701 really well. Yeah. Because by that time, he's the king. Right. Yeah. Right. So I don't think he's the chill child because I don't think chronologically it fits. But he certainly would have been another sign and wonder, you know? Yeah. But I, I would think it says specifically, it's I and the children you've given me are yeah. those. So I doubt that Emmanuel is one of them, but certainly the other two make yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Notice it says in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. So he's, Isaiah hasn't given up that God still dwells on, on Mount yeah. Zion. Right. So that's actually really important, I think, for us. Because he knows, even though they're going to th go through that suffering and that yeah. punishment and all that, don't worry, God's still in control is what he's yeah. saying. Okay? Yeah, there's a difference in hiding your face and yeah, yeah, yeah. choosing not to dwell at a place anymore. And the, Yes, exactly. And then it, it also says, and, and he's going to look eagerly for him, I think what that means, till he looks back towards Israel right. and and Zion. So yeah. I think the idea is that he's waiting until God's it's till the punishment's over, and he now has favor towards the nation. Yeah. So I think that's what it means. Yeah. All right. Now the next ones are tough again. Okay. okay. Then they will say to you. So who's the they? I yeah. think it's the Israelites that are going through this suffering. Yeah. Okay. The so, many. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Then they will say to you, consult the mediums and the spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people consult their God? So I think what it's saying is, how do you find out, how do they think they can contact God? Well, go to the people that can enchant the dead and stuff yeah. like that. And he even says, should they not consult the dead on behalf of the living? And I think at the verse 20, where it starts, I think you should say, no. I think yeah. I think there should be a no in there um, because it says to the law and to the testimony. Well, to the law would be that uh, you know it had that same word in verse sixteen, and the mm -hmm. testimony is there. So I think instead, instead of going to these false gods or false prophets or anybody who to who try to talk, contact the dead, instead go to the thing God told you. Yeah. He, he gave you the the sign and he gave you the in, instruction on it. Yeah. So just go to that. So, so I think you should should always almost put no there because it's such a strong contrast. He's saying, yeah. don't go to those people. Yeah. Go to the thing God this already is gave where you. you. Should go. Yeah. If they do not speak according to this word, meaning the law and the testimony, it is because they have no dawn. What's that? Yeah, that's no it. dawn. Well, in um, that, that would mean no light, right? So yeah. they so meanings they don't get it. They're they're yeah. still in darkness. in darkness. Yeah. So they'll be those are part of them that'll be taken off into captivity. Yeah. I think. Right. I'm so sure. so it's interesting. It it is the word dawn, meaning the light is is coming into their lives, mm. and and I think what it's getting at is they have no. They're still in darkness. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. Now the next part, verse twenty one. 
they will pass through. So it's back to those people who are saying, consult the, the dead on behalf of the living, okay? They will pass through the land hard pressed and famished. And it will turn out that when they are hungry, they will be enraged and curse their king and their God as they face upwards. Okay, let me see if I can explain that to you. Okay, why would they curse their king? Well, I think they'd curse their king because he's the one that got him into this mess. So it probably goes all the way back to Ahaz who called on the Assyrians and got him into this mess. So right. I think very likely they'd curse him. Yep. But then it says they curse their God. Well, why would they curse him? Because he didn't get them out of it, I suppose, hmm. right? So they're, God gets blamed for everything, right? right. So, so they're blaming God for getting him into this mess in the first place. Yeah. It's God that was actually gracious all the way through and tried to keep them out of this mess. Right. But because they're in darkness, they don't get that. Yeah. Okay. And what's that last? Yeah, that's a good, as they face upwards. That sounds pretty dark to me. <laughs> good. Because I think that's exactly what it okay. means. <laughs> the, the other place where this phrase is used as it, it turns upwards is, mm. is, is, do you remember Gideon? These Those two people had the, that he, he went over to the Midianite army and they were telling this story about a, a loaf of barley bread that was rolling down the hill yeah. and it hit the tents and it turned them upwards. Right. So it, it basically destroyed them. Yeah. I think to, when it says, as they face upwards, it means as they die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it seems like it's me, it's the same picture of them being turned over and dying and looking upwards. Yeah. So they're cursing God as they die. They still don't get it. Yeah. 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 So it lets you know they're still in the darkness. Right. Yeah. Okay. Verse 22, and they will look to the earth and behold, distress and darkness and the gloom of anguish, and they will be driven away into darkness. So what do wow. you think that means, driven away into darkness? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really can't get worse, right? Okay. I mean, like- Ooh, Actually, I think it can get worse. If oh. they're dying in the land, what's worse than that? Being oh, taken captive out. and taken out of the land. Wow. Yeah. So I think that um, driven away into darkness is talking about them going into exile. Yeah. And, it, and it's going to be for both of them, Israel and Judah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, does chapter eight make a little sense? Because yeah, now it's sure. all ready to turn around. Okay. okay? And so up to this point, it's all been pretty negative, right? I mean, we did know what we found out is that it's not just going to happen to Israel. It, yeah, it's going to happen too. to Judah too. Yeah. And and what's interesting is, is that in chapter seven, the whole reason Isaiah came was to try to talk Ahaz out of not paying the money to Assyria to, to have them come over and destroy Israel because at some point yeah. he's going to come on you too. Right. If I, if I would have known that, if I was Ahaz and knew that, I certainly wouldn't have called on them for help. But it seems like, otherwise, why in chapter seven would God even send that to try, you know, this message to try mm. to get him not to do it? Obviously, he hadn't done it yet. You yeah. know, why send a sign if he'd already sent them the yeah, messengers, right, right. okay? So even after Ahaz knew that, he still sends the messengers to Assyria. Yeah. And, and man, now... If they don't, if they don't get what the consequences of it, in fact, there's sad consequences. This will be the last time that Israel and Judah are free at all. Wow. Okay. The Assyrians are going to be the ones that that do major damage to the yeah. northern kingdom, and Babylon is going to be the last one. So from now on, they're going to be under because of what Ahaz done has done. They're going to be under other nations from now on. Wow. Yeah. So that's I think why it was so serious that God sent Isaiah and tried to encourage him to not do what he's thinking about doing. Because he's saying, it's not going to do you any good. Don't worry about those two little, those little kings yeah. on, your, on the north of your yeah. border. They're not going to last very long. Yeah. So I think what he's saying is, you don't have to call on the Assyrians. Yeah. That's only going to get you in trouble. Right. That's exactly what happened. God was, God was really gracious, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, he goes out of his way to try to stop him. Yeah. And he doesn't. Yeah. So now you see two signs, both of them talking about what's going to happen to the Northern Kingdom. Yeah. And Northern Kingdom and into Judah. Yeah. Okay. Now, here's where it turns around finally. So, <laughs> so remember, both of them had a, a positive thing and a negative. So, so the chapter seven, the positive thing was that the two kings were going to be destroyed, the, the land oh, you right. fear, right? Right. But then he's, the negative thing was that the Assyrians are coming. Yeah. Okay. So this one, you have the negative thing first. The Assyrians are coming. 
But then you've got something positive. Hmm. Okay, so let's look at it. Yeah, starting um, in chapter nine. Yeah, and in fact, once again, I think this is a really bad chapter division. Yeah, because it flows this right fits through, in. and it's intending to make sure. Look what it says. But there will be no more gloom. That's the exact. They, they're actually oh, not yeah. the exact same words, but they're they're related to each other. Hmm. Okay, so the, the, they're both hot box legomenas, which is funny. So the, the, they only occur one time. Oh wow! But they're related to each other. So yeah. the gloom, and 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 then next one for her who was in anguish. So you've got distress. And in the gloom of anguish, those are related terms. They're the same root radicals. I don't know if that helps you, but they're the same root radicals, but they're different. They're they're spelled a little differently. Yeah. So they're both hapoxagominas, but you know they're related to them. Yeah, and right. so here you've got a total reversal, right? There will be no more gloom for her who is in anguish. Um, and so then it says, in the earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Now, I wanted to show you this. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali, notice their tribes in the northern kingdom. Yeah. So so he's actually talking about that northern kingdom at this point. So there's there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In the earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. Um, remember, um, the northern kingdom got carried off into captivity. Yeah. So that's right. the contempt that he's talking about. Yeah. Okay, but later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea, the other side of the Jordan, and the Gilead of the Gentiles. So now we've got three terms that I, I actually believe refer to that northern kingdom again. Hmm. The best article I read on this was by a guy named Ulbricht Alt. And what he argued is that those three terms were what the Assyrians divided the northern kingdom up into after they were destroyed in 722. Wow. So if that's true... That makes perfect sense. So the land of Zebulun and Naphtali is the same land as these other three uh, phrases. Oh, Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So if that's true, basically what he's saying, in the earlier times, he treated them with contempt. Yeah. But in the latter times, notice it says he's going to make it glorious. Well, what? <laughs> when did that happen? I mean, yeah. think about it. 722... They get destroyed, and you hear nothing more about that northern kingdom. Yeah. And it says that he's going to make it glorious. Right. When could that have happened? Yeah. When does uh, it? My answer. Okay. You're going to like this, it's I think. coming. Okay. I think so. Okay. I think it's got to be when Jesus came. Because look what oh. it says. Verse 1, I think, is, is now reversing everything that happened before, so the bad things. Then in verse 2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Well, what's a great light usually referred to? Some kind of deliverance, right? Mm. So those ones that were walking in darkness, meaning everything that happened before, are now going to see a great light. Well, when did that happen? I don't think it happened until mm. Jesus came. And wow. it's it's going to be a different kind of light, right? It's not yeah. it's not deliverance from their enemies, right? but it is a spiritual deliverance. Yeah. Okay? Those who uh, live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. So- Basically saying, it's parallelisms, basically yeah, saying the same, same thing. thing. All right, verse three, you shall multiply the nation, you shall increase their gladness. Now, I don't know if your Bible translation has a little footnote on that. Uh, sh it should oh, be. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's it say? Another reading is not increase. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. And he, yeah, it, it, and he, it would be totally the opposite, right? Yeah. Yeah, so he, he, he will either increase their gladness or he won't increase their gladness. Well, it's a it's a problem with the word low. Low can actually mean two things. It mm. can mean to him as a suffix okay. on it, yeah. or it could mean not. But that's when there's no aleph on the end. Okay. So basically what's happened is that, well, actually it says low to him. Or I'm sorry, to him, the low, not the low, not. Yeah. So it seems like to me what's going on is that the people misunderstood. It sounded alike but they misunderstood mm -hmm. what it was saying. Yeah. Because it doesn't make any sense to me. You shall multiply the nation. You shall not increase their gladness. Yeah. When, usually when a nation is increased, that's when they're yeah, happy about that. Yeah. Right. So I think it's got to be, you shall increase to him or to it, it's gladness. Yeah. So I think that's how that should be translated. Yeah. Okay. 
They will be glad in your presence as in the gladness of harvest. Remember, that's one of the best times for Israel to, to rejoice because they now have food for the next year, yeah. right? Sure. As men rejoice when they divide spoil. Well, that'd be another time. And that means they're victorious in war, right? right? So two of the most exciting times in Israel's history would be when harvest is coming and when they they are victorious in war. Yeah. So he's saying, this, there's, you're going to have that kind of gladness, okay? Four, now it's going to give three reasons for this great joy. And one is starting at verse four, one is starting at verse five. And one is starting at verse six. Do you yep. see? Yeah, I see those kind of. Do you see them? Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm hoping your translation has four at each one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Does, okay. Yeah. Good. So here's the three reasons for the for you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff of their shoulder, the rod of their oppressor, as at the battle of Midian. First, let's go to the battle of Midian. Do you remember what that is? Uh. Uh-uh. That's when Gideon comes through and remember the Midianites come come and, and, and trounce him. And remember with 300 men, Gideon destroys the army right. or God destroyed it through the 300 men. Yeah. So, and they didn't even remember they have, they have a light and a, and a trumpet. Right. And so, so it's definitely a divine victory. Yeah. So I think that means, okay, you're going to destroy the, the yoke on their shoulders in a divine way. Well, yeah. I think that fits 701 really well. Hmm. Now, here we have to talk about something we call the prophetic perspective. Okay. The best way to explain it, I think, is to think of a mountain range. Mm -hmm. Do you remember how when a prophet looked into the future, they would see different mountain peaks? Okay. But you wouldn't know how much time is between them unless you were walking them. (laughs) I have a friend that climbs up uh, uh, Mount Baldy here and, and... it must take him hours <laughs> because yeah. because it's not the first peak you see right. it's it's the one behind it that's the big one right. so it'd be like that the prophet looking into the future and you see these mountain peaks but you have no idea how much time is between them so the first thing he sees is that he sees a victory over the assyrians okay that would fit 701 perfectly yeah okay the second one is not going to fit that look at for every boot of the booted warrior in battle tumult the cloak rolled in blood will be for burning fuel for fire. Well, why, why would they destroy? Oh, and then it's even more interesting when it says for every boot, that word boot is the Assyrian word for battle boot. Okay. Do you remember we talked about the, the Assyrians were the first standing army? Yeah. They had specific boots and, and we know the Romans did this too, but they had boots that had spikes in them and, and a Roman guard, I don't, I don't know about the Assyrian ones, but the Roman ar- army officer was supposed to be able to, to clear a six foot area around him. And, and part of it was to make sure that his feet didn't slip. So that's, right. I'm assuming that's what this Assyrian battle boot is too. It's the same kind of thing yeah. to make sure they have stability when they're destroying their enemies. Yeah. Okay. And then a cloak rolled in blood. I can understand why a cloak rolled in blood would be destroyed because they tell me that red is one of the things that won't come out of material. Sure. So, so I can actually, I understand that I would throw those away because they got blood in them and you can't ever get it out. Yeah. But a boot it's something you would need. And, yeah. and if you're ever going to war after that, it would be great to have it. Sure. So it seems like to me, if they're going to be fuel for fire, they're going to burn them up. This is it's the end of- Yeah, they don't need them anymore, yeah. right? So what just happened is that the, the 701 was the first mountain peak. The next mountain peak is God's setting up his kingdom That's that's mm. got no end of the peace that's going to be there and they're right. not going to have to worry about the boots anymore. Yeah. Now, and then the third one, so, so the third one is, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. And I think that's talking about Jesus. Yeah. So, you've got, so you've got the first one of 701, but the next mountain peaks are way beyond that yeah. and go into even an eternal kingdom. Yeah. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. yeah. That's so, an interesting metaphor. Yeah. And it's, it's called, we usually call it a prophetic perspective. He's, he starts with the present. And he sees the near things, but there's more behind it that he sees. And that's what these next things are. Yeah. Because otherwise, there's no way to explain why would he put, you know, the victory over the Assyrians in the same context with Messiah being born. Right. It just doesn't make any sense. Right. Unless he's looking into that future and he sees. Now, 
for the prophet, he doesn't know how much time is between mm-hmm. them. And so it it fits what he's doing really well. Yeah. Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah. Okay. But that's that's very interesting. Now, is there anything else in, in verse six? I mean, I'm sure like, oh, you yes. get there, like people are going <laughs> to, yep. you know, we're all, we've heard that one before. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. You know? Okay. So a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. Okay. That makes all pretty much sense. The government government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called. Notice it says his name will be called. That's singular. And because of Handel's Messiah, we all think if wonderful counselor, yeah. that these are all four different names. I actually argue they're all one name and they're a, a, a parallel name like Maharshal al-Hashbaz. Oh. And that's why uh, earlier I, I um, did that. Um, remember, I put it up there uh, uh, yeah. bring quickly the plunder and quickly bring the prey. That was to show that that's two parallel names. The difference with this name is that these have a theophoric element in them. So I'm going to argue it's one name and it should be something like a wonderful counselor is the mighty God. Okay. The Prince of Peace is the father of eternity. Yeah. So the theophoric element would be the mighty God. And a wonderful counselor just means that the mighty God is a wonderful counselor. And then the Prince of Peace is the father of eternity. Father of eternity, once again, would be your uh, theophoric element talking about God. So I don't think this is saying that the child is God. I think Hmm. it's saying that the name says something about God. Okay. Let me give you an example. Isaiah. Did you think Isaiah was divine? No. No, but his name says God is salvation. So basically it's saying his name says something about God. Okay. I'm going to argue that's exactly what you've got here. And it's got a theophoric element in it. God is salvation. Okay. So this is a parallel name. A wonderful counselor is the mighty God. So it's, it's saying that God is a wonderful counselor. And then the other one, the father of eternity, named for God, is the prince of peace. In context, both of those names make perfect sense. Um, earlier, it said that he was going to destroy the, the enemies, right? In verse 3, for you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulder. So it sounds like the Assyrians are going to be destroyed in verse 4 there. Yeah. Well, um, uh, usually what a counselor was, was somebody who, who would counsel a king on mm. the best way to go to war and to make sure that you won. Yeah. So he needed counselors to help him. Okay. So it's saying that God is a wonderful counselor. Okay, and then Prince and then, of Peace, look yeah. at the bottom. It says, verse seven, and there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. Right. So he's he's a Prince of Peace because there, there, there'll never be an end to his the peace that he brings. Yeah. Does that make sense? Sure. So it's it's not saying that the name, that God is, it's not saying that the child's name is divine, you know, that the child is divine. Yeah. It's saying that his name says something about God. And that's what that's what every name in the Old Testament is like. Jeremiah. Yeah. God is lifted up or whatever that Jeremiah means. Or Daniel, God is judge. Or um Ezekiel, God is strong. Hmm. Um it's it's they're 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 saying things about God. Emmanuel. God is with us. It's not saying the child is God. It's saying right. that God is with us. It demonstrates right. it. Yeah. And and really, if you go to the New Testament, Jesus is never called a wonderful counselor or a mighty God or a mm. prince of peace or a father of eternity. Those aren't terms that are used for him. Right. So, and, and have you ever wondered why? The, when Remember when Jesus claimed to be God? He, they, the scribes and Pharisees thought that was blasphemy. They wanted to yeah, kill him. Right, right. Well, if there was a passage that actually said that a child is going to be born that's God, hmm. then why wouldn't they have thought that or understood that? Yeah. And I'm arguing it's because they never, that's not what that means. It just said his name is going to tell us about God. Yeah. Hmm. So but I, this is still referring to Christ. Yes. It's still going to be Jesus. Yeah. So Jesus's name is going to say something about God. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I, I it, it is still referring to the Messiah or Jesus. Yeah. So I still get that. Sure. But it's not saying that Jesus is divine. Right. Because that's not how names work. In this passage. Yeah. It's not saying that he can't be divine or something. Yeah, just yeah, in no. In this passage. It's just saying that. It's not specifically referring to that. It's just saying. Yeah. 
He's going to be named these things that yeah. explain God. When we get to New Testament and Jesus says, I and the Father are one, yeah. that's pretty clear. Yeah. But here, that's not what it's saying. It's not making a claim for his divinity here. No, I don't think so. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Because that's going to blow some people away, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it does probably make it fit in a little bit better yeah. in this passage because it's answering the... Yeah. This is kind of an answer to all the problems we've seen in a way, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, yeah. It, clearly, how is God going to bring this deliverance about? He's going to bring his Messiah. Yeah. But it's not saying that Messiah is divine. Hmm. We find out that he is. Yeah. But I don't think this passage is saying that. Yeah. Okay. Does all that make sense? Because I, th I think so. We've just gone through some really complicated stuff. That is pretty complicated. Yeah. I think I'm trying to figure out. So what would what do you? Uh, you probably won't be able to know. You can tell yeah. me your guess. I think. Yeah. How how would people have responded to this? How would you know people in Judah have responded yeah. to this? There's no doubt it's positive, right? Yeah. So so this child's going to be born for us, and the government's going to rest on his shoulder, and his name is going to be. A wonderful counselor is a mighty God and a Prince of Peace is the father of eternity. I think it would say, man, we're going to have this child come that's going to deliver us and we are going to have peace from then on, right? Because later right. on it says that he's going he's gonna to have peace. So I actually think they, they would have known this was a very positive statement. Yeah. And, and when Jesus comes and actually starts uh, claiming to be God and stuff like that, I assume they go back to this passage and they're saying, huh, at there I believed it saying something about God. Now he's going further. He's actually saying mm -hmm. he is God. I see. Yeah. So so I think this would have been in their background of their yeah. mind. And so and when Jesus says, I and the Father are one, that would have pulled these two names together then. You know? Mm. So the child that says something about God now turns out to be God. Right. Yeah. Right. So I think that's a that's a that's amazing, you know. Yeah, because I guess you walk through those steps, it becomes kind of self-reflective. Yeah, those names. Now, yeah. Now let's first remind us though that names in the Old Testament don't mean the person is divine. Yeah. Right. I right, mean, right. we've got ample exam examples yeah, of that. Yeah. Even yeah. when they have theophoric elements in it, they weren't thought to be divine. So see why we picked this up and thought this was saying he was divine, yeah. I think we just made a mistake on how mm. names are even to be interpreted. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's I'm, I'm afraid this is going to be scary to some people, <laughs> but but I don't, I don't think that's what it means. That's not how names are usually translated. Right. Yeah. And that shouldn't scare us. I think I, it probably is a little frightening or yeah. could be. You well, know, it's because we've been probably, taught something Yeah, you for think so long. this is what, you know, you've maybe understood this passage. Yeah. This is well, a Christmas kind of passage we're going to get every, And the you Messiah know. Yeah. makes it sound like those are four titles. Right. You know, so just enhance that constantly. Yeah. But I think read in its context, it, it makes even more sense and it's more exciting. Mm. So we've got a child mm. that's coming and his name says stuff about God, how great he is and stuff like that. And it makes perfect sense in its context because yeah. it told us he was a wonderful counselor already and that he was a prince of peace. So yeah. all of those make perfect sense. Yeah. And he's going to bring peace to the earth. Yeah. Now we're not done. It keeps right. going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so look at the next part. After the title or what his name is or what his title is, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over the kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. So that's, I think, actually interesting. So he's actually saying, here's the prophet looking into the future. He sees this this victory in 701 okay but then he sees behind it another person who's coming that's going to give them victory mm -hmm. and then behind that the kingdom being set up and there's going to be no end to the uh, peace and safety and stuff like that right and righteousness and justice yeah forevermore yeah wow so it goes from that kingdom all the way to eternity yeah yeah now the last phrase is actually kind of neat the seal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. That 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 had to be an amazing, you know, Isaiah here's getting told this story and what God is going to do and starting off with this destruction that they're going to have, but that's going to give rise to this victory that God's going to bring. 
it had to be a hard thing to believe for Isaiah and for the other people. So when he says the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this, that's just confirming that God's saying, this is, this is true because I'm going to do it. Right. And that, that, that phrase, the zeal of the Lord of hosts, only occurs three times. Every one of them is talking about 701. Hmm. So you've got it in Isaiah later. You've got it in, I think it's 38, or no, 37. And then you've got it in the parallel passage in Second Kings. Right. So those are the only three term times it ever occurs. But I think that's also telling us that that's the beginning of God bringing his kingdom. Right. So, so I think that's, that's how that kind of fits together. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, what do you think? Well, I mean, we walked through a lot of tough stuff. <laughs> Should we to summarize get to some it? Good. Yeah, let's let's do it. But okay. I, I do like. I mean, I think this is a great place to end this whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This whole section, you know, because yeah. this does. I mean, one cool thing about the structure that we've been talking about that kind of works its way to the center. Yeah, like, this does seem like the climax, the highlight. It, it is. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And then even later, it's going to go through the woe or, or the uplifted hand oracle, and then the woe oracle again. Yeah. And then the final one is when Assyria is going to be destroyed and. God is going to have this deliver sprout up from yeah. the destruction. Yeah. So you've you've got it again, but this one is the climate. I mean, this yeah. is this one is really in the heart of it, and it all points towards this. Yeah. Okay. This this middle section started in with Isaiah's call, right in chapter yep. six. Six. And at the end of six, it actually talked about two destructions that are then going to give rise to a remnant. Do you remember that? Yes. Okay. So yep. the first destruction would be seven twenty two. The the next one would be five eighty six. And uh -huh. then then there's going to be a, a a stump that's going to be left. That's going to be the righteous remnant. Right. So at the end. He's still going to get there, but it's going to go through two punishments first. Yeah. Then we have two signs, chapter 7 and chapter 8, both covering the Syria from my war, both saying, Ahaz, don't do this because the Assyrians are coming. And if you, if you do this, they're going to come on you too. Right. Okay. So we got that. But both of them also ending, like in chapter 7, ending with this Emmanuel that God is going to bring to, to help them. In yep. that time frame. Yeah. Okay. And chapter eight, it's going to go even beyond that. So you have the negative thing, but then the end of chapter eight and chapter nine yeah, is after nine. all that destruction. Yeah. Now it's all going to change. And the reason I actually argue that chapter nine's got to be Messiah is because of that reversal. You know, it mm. was talking about the Northern Kingdom that he was going to treat with contempt and then he's going to glorify it. And I don't know of any time when he glorified that northern kingdom. Right. So I think that's how that fits. And then it goes all the way into the time for Jesus. Right. And so the Messiah to come. Yeah. So there's a logic as to how that gets to the Messiah. I didn't just. Yeah. It's the context that's telling us that. Right. Because, right. you know, it's real easy just to pick out these passages and say they're talking about Messiah. But the context is actually building towards it. And yeah. I think you need to see that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if you don't look at it, I think from this kind of high level as well as the close level, yeah. you might miss some of that. Oh, I think so. I think so. the context is a lot harder yeah. just because we don't think, I think on Western mindset, we're not, we're not thinking about organizing. Yeah. Um, passages in this kind of way. Yeah. You know, especially like a palestrophe. Yeah. Yeah. That'd yeah. be such a different, yeah. you know, form of thinking, you know. Yeah. I think there's more, I mean, because we saw one in chapter one, mm -hmm. um, then there's that interesting thing. See, Isaiah seems to be very creative. He's he's using these literary forms to, so it would suggest to me he really thought about how to put this book together. Yeah. Re remember, we know he's a scribe, yeah. so he must have done a, a lot of thinking on how's the best way to get these oracles that God gave me to get them across to the people. And he yeah. knew it was gonna be hard work, right? Because right. he was told in chapter six, yeah. your job your, your job is gonna be hard because it's gonna harden the people rather than, right. than restore them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. That's okay. That's what we did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot. That's that's yeah. significant. We've it, we've read through Isaiah twelve. Yeah, we've got all the um, way to there now. So the next time we get together, it should be oracles to the nations. Okay. And and that's a, a larger section. So if they want to read, they can read like chapters 13 through about 21, somewhere in okay, there. 13 20. to 21? Yeah. The reason I said this, 
uh, stop after that is because when you get to chapter uh, like 23 has the last oracle to the nation so they can read through that okay. but then when you get to 24 it goes into another section and so we, i want to show the big picture there and that but i think it, for homework reading through chapter 23 would be great 13 through 23 yeah okay that's a chunk that but is doable yeah. That's doable. Um, they're called oracles to the nations because each one is directed towards a specific country. And virtually every one is, there's at least a part of judgment in it. Okay. Even if there's some good news at the end, they're, almost all of them have a punishment and a judgment that, yeah. that God's pouring out on them. Okay. Just to get you a little interested in it, it seems like to me, this is actually showing us that God controls every nation, not just Israel. So if Israel was thinking that their God is so great, he controls Israel, well, yes, he is, but he controls all the nations. And so they're going to get a lot more uh, explanation as to how that works. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. That, 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 might, is interesting. that might wet their whistle to yeah. want to read it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great thing to, to start with, I think. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have our homework. Um, that's really good. And I think uh, I think we kind of wrap it up today. Today was a good one. Um, okay. This good. was pretty intense. There's a lot to chew on. Wouldn't be. It's nothing wrong with going back and reading Isaiah oh, nine again. That's exactly. A, that's a good. That's yeah. a good section. But it, it was a little challenging. It would seem like to me that now that you know that it goes from eight all the way into nine, it would actually make more sense because now yeah. you're seeing this, and then you see that contrast between uh, verse twenty two and twenty three. Actually, in Hebrew, it's actually twenty two and twenty three. In the English, it's actually chapter nine, verse one. So, so uh, in oh. the Hebrew, it's actually divided differently. Oh wow! Yeah, the the Hebrew doesn't start a new cha uh, chapter nine one until you get to verse two. Wow! And then so it's it's going to be off numbers for a little ways there. Okay, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for coming in today, and uh, thank you everyone who's listening. Make sure you uh, you do lots of reading this this week or whenever the next time you listen to us is. Make sure you do a lot of reading, and be sure to join us again as we continue to study Isaiah. Thank you.